0: Oma gyanatimirandhasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshuran milita amyena tasmai shri gura pleased within his own mind. The Lord is always pleased in his mind. He is athmaram. The very name means he is always satisfied in himself. Aptakama another word used in the Bhagavad means he fulfills his desires by his own desire, self-sufficient, that's one of the qualities of the Supreme One, he's self-sufficient, the absolute truth is self-sufficient, it does not require sustenance from any external source. So Krishna is fully satisfied, yet here it is stated that he was satisfied in his own mind. How is that? Because his happiness, it is not a kind of impersonal happiness. There is a concept of brahmananda, where it is conceived that a person is just happy. There is no cause for that happiness, there is no interaction with others which causes that happiness. In this material world what is considered happiness and distress is due to interaction with other living beings and with the objects of the senses and thus Happiness and distress is perceived. If it's too hot, we feel distress. If it's too cold, we feel distress. If we come from a very hot, we come outside from the heat and we sit under the fan and we feel some happiness. Our happiness and distress comes by interaction with others. If someone praises us, we feel happy. If someone blames us, we feel unhappy. So, throughout the Gita, Krishna advises us to be fixed on the spiritual platform beyond this interaction of, beyond the happiness and distress which is perceived by the interaction of the senses with the sense-objects and the false ego with emotions. He advises, what is the self-realized person? <laughs> He's beyond the happiness of feeling happy when someone praises Him or the distress of being distressed when someone blames it. Sukhe duke, samee kritva, la labha, labha, jayo jayo, jaya jayo. Krishna advises Arjuna, don't be swayed this way or that. If you have some material happiness or distress, if you have some gain or loss, if you are victorious or defeated, Krishna says, be fixed in your duty. You see, even he's inciting Arjuna to fight. But at the same time he's telling him, don't be attached to winning or losing. So he's advising Arjuna to come to a higher platform. So it would seem that the absolute truth is, must be on that place. Where is this? How is it that Krishna is pleased because Yudhishthira is established in the throne? How is it that he's pleased when all the miscreants have been vanquished? How is that? So Krishna's happiness that is not simply, or the the happiness of the Absolute Truth is not simply one of impersonal happiness, where where there is no input from any source, one just is absorbed in a state of happiness with no reference to anything else. That is the impersonal concept of liberated happiness. That you are simply happy without any reference to anything else, you don't even perceive the existence of anything else, because you consider that there isn't anything else. There's only Brahman and that's all, there's only Brahman, ekam brahma nasti, there's only the absolute truth, there's no other thing. But here we see Krishna is pleased in his mind, even though he is the last word in the absolute truth, he is Brahman. He is the source of the impersonal Brahman, brahmano hipatishtaham, and he is the last word in the understanding of the Absolute Truth. He is parabrahma, param brahma, param dhama, avitram Bhava. Arjuna accepts Krishna as the supreme Absolute Truth and the supreme abode of everything, the supremely eternal, pure person. So this means that Krishna, he is experiencing happiness not on the material. Part. This is the mistake of the Mayavardams. They presume that, well, Krishna appears to be happy in dancing with the gopis. He appears to be partial. He's partial towards Yudhisthira. He doesn't like the party of Duryodhana. So it appears that even in the case of Krishna, who they see is the speaker of Bhagavad Gita, Different philosophers may consider him to be the personification of the absolute truth, that the absolute truth is impersonal but has become personified. So it appears that this personality is not very good because even if even if the absolute truth transforms through the mode of goodness into the person Christian, then he becomes influenced by material actions and interactions and he becomes partial to some. And against others. So that's why actually to understand Krishna as he is, it's not a very easy thing. Those who are on the path of jnana, they finally come to understand Krishna after many, many births. And they surrender to him. It's very difficult. It take them many lifetimes. Because the, the jnani means... He's trying to understand Brahman, everything, every sarvam idam, brahma, everything that exists that is Brahma. So they're thinking in terms of the everythingness of everything, the oneness of everything, by following this path of jñāna. Finally they come to realize that, that that everythingness, that is Krishna. But it's very difficult by the path of jñāna because one is trying to observe the Absolute Truth through his own mental faculties, which are limited and Krishna is unlimited. Krishna is not subject to be understood by some mental speculative process. (inaudible) Nalakshya (inaudible) says, Vuhadrisa nato nad (inaudible) yadharo yata mayajamani kacchanam Agyad-hokshajam avyayam Queen Kunti Devi says that Krishna, he is eternally covered by the curtain of maya. Therefore he is not manifested to the foolish. Because he is adhok he is beyond the purview of ordinary sense perception. He appears like an ordinary person, just like an actor dressed dressed up on a stage, appears to be someone who he is not. So you may think, well that it applies to foolish people, Kunti says, agya mudha Those who are foolish rascals, they cannot understand Krishna. But what about the Gani? They're highly elevated in knowledge. Krishna says the same thing in Gita. Nahamprakasha Sarvasya. Yoga Maya Samavita. Even though Krishna is the Supreme Exhaustible Lord, those who are foolish they cannot understand him because he is covered by the curtain of Yoga Maya. That means that even if the Gyanis, by following the path of renunciation and study, they may become free to some extent from Mahamaya. They recognize, I am not this body, I have nothing to do with these actions and interactions of material nature. So they may become elevated somewhat to the platform of being freed from Mahamaya, but still the yoga maya curtain covers Krishna, they cannot see Krishna. Therefore, even though they appear to be liberated, they are not fully liberated. Yeñe vimuktamani vimuktamāninas <speaking> vayastabhāvat <in> avishuddha-buddhaya āhūna āruhya khritchrena <Hebrew> parampadam tata tatantyato nātata yushmadangaya Those who are partially liberated, they may think I am fully liberated, vimuktamāni, <speaking in Hebrew> they think I am fully liberated, because by their own endeavours they have, become, they have with great trouble. The path of impersonal liberation is very difficult and troublesome. So someone may come up gradually to that level of being, equipoint above the modes of material nature. But he's not in a safe position. Just like building a house, that English phrase, building a house on sand. A very solid looking house with bricks and mortar and very nicely built, but the foundation is sand. Any time the whole house can collapse. The same thing, the the mayavadis or the impersonals, they have maintained by rigid austerities they can come to the position of being free from the modes of material nature. But they neglected to worship Krishna, so they couldn't actually enter into transcendence is still covered by the curtain of yoga maya. (coughs) So to understand Krishna by the path of jnana, Krishna says, Bahunam Jananamante, ante Mangra Pady te, Basudevasam, Sabhamati Samahat Krishna's recognised that who comes to this position, he's a very great soul who's actually a Mahatma. Mahatma nastu mampata dairyen prakriti prakriti mahashara. Vajantyanya manaso gyarpa bhutade nena. Those who are actually Mahatmas, they're devotees, they know, they've come to the platform of knowledge beyond simply an impersonal understanding. What is that platform of knowledge? To know that Krishna is all in all, therefore they worship it. But such a Mahatma is very rare. It means that someone who tries by this jnana process, it's very rare that he will come to the proper point. Whereas. Someone may not be a gyanin, he may not be educated, he may not even be able to sign his own name. But if he's a devotee, he can go beyond the situation of the jany. Mamhi strio Those who are sinfully born. Krishna gives the example, Those who are in the lower castes, stri shudra, vaisha Shudra means laborer class, they're not expected to have much intelligence. And Vaisha is mostly interested in money, Sri Aishvarya, Prajeeb they're mostly interested in material opulence, women, Sri Aishvarya, family, dynasty, they're interested in all these things. So they're also not considered very elevated. And Sri is also mentioned here, means that generally the male form. That is considered more conducive for self-realization. We don't generally find gyanis, philosophers among the female class. But Krishna says that even though they, from the external point of view, such people, they may be not very qualified for spiritual life. Tipiyanti Paramatim, the they can achieve, they can achieve the supreme abode. And then just two verses later, is it he had two? Yeah, two vases he describes what is that what is that attainment of the Supreme Lord? Rajaji to be absorbed in Krishna. Those who are devotees are Krishna. So they achieve the goal of understanding Krishna. Whereas someone who takes to the jnana marga, they cannot properly understand this. They cannot properly understand Krishna. How Krishna, even though he's self-satisfied, he has likes, dislikes, feelings, emotions. He is pleased when his devotees are established in society so they can give the benefit to others of becoming devotees. And this means that Krishna, he's not on the material path. He's not material like in this way. It's not that Krishna, he's preaching to Arjuna something himself he has no realization of. When he says, suke duke samee krittva, you be established beyond the dualities of happiness and distress. It's not that Krishna himself is involved in material happiness and distress, but he has desires. Those desires are not impelled by lust. Arjuna asks Krishna, how is it that we, are, we do things which we don't want to, as if by force how is it that we we perform sinful activities as if by force? And Krishna says, karma is lust, we are impelled by lust, but it's not lust that impels Krishna. What is that lust? That is the transformation of love of Krishna which manifests in this material world as lust. So that Krishna says, "That that is our eternal enemy for the aspiring transcendentalists, nitya eternal enemy, a constant enemy of the transcendentalists. So Krishna, he's not uh, overcome by lusty things. It's very difficult to understand, that that, that term I'm using, after karma, Krishna is fully satisfied in himself. Then. Uh, comes in, this word comes in Bhagavatam when Krishna, is described the Raslila. So why is Krishna about to dance with gopis if he is fully satisfied in himself? So fully satisfied in himself but he is has unlimited desire. He's the unlimited. So he has unlimited desire. But his desires, they are not impelled by the modes of material nature. But they are impelled by his own Leela potency, which is under his control, but he submits himself to the control of that Leela potency for increasing his own pleasure and increasing the pleasure of his devotees. So, this is not possible to be understood simply by a rationalistic, so called logical understanding. That can be understood by the devotees. Krishna can be understood by devotion. And actually, for the devotees, it's very easy to understand. Those who are not devotees, they can't understand even in millions of lifetimes how the Supreme Absolute Truth is the young boy and the, the gopis, Mother Yashoda's age gopis, they're all clapping their hands and singing and he's dancing. They can't understand. It's not understandable to them. But a devotee automatically not only understands, but uh, he enters into the bliss of that pastor, he appreciates that pastor. So understanding and appreciation come simultaneously for the devotee. Krishna blesses those who are favorable to understanding, and those who are not favorable to understanding, who have their preconceived notions, the absolute truth should be like this, the absolute truth should be like that, Uh, they're not ever eligible to understand. Even though they think they understand, their whole approach to understanding is wrong, and they cannot ever understand Krishna. That's why I'm saying even someone who is illiterate, they can understand Krishna if by the good fortune that comes maybe some previous life devotional activities, maybe the mercy of devotees, the mercy of the Supreme Lord Himself. They're inclined towards Krishna. Just like we see so many people are coming here to Krishna consciousness in this temple here. Some are coming from illiterate backgrounds, and some are coming from literate backgrounds. But everyone is coming, who are coming, mostly they're coming, even those who are literate, they're not coming reading a whole PhD thesis about Krishna first. It's not that they've studied so much philosophy and therefore they come, but they have some attraction to come. That is special prerogative of many of those who are born in India. Due to pious activities in previous lives, they have some attraction to worship Krishna. So, and very simply that they can accept, even their, mind, their minds may be jumbled in so many ways, especially those who are more educated, their minds tend to be more jumbled up by atheistic ideas. But basically it's, it's very simple for them to accept, yes, Krishna is God. Even there may be so much propaganda, what is this deity worship? So many people have made propaganda, Indians, Hindus in India are making propaganda against deity worship. Don't worship the deities. It's all imagination. But still, people are coming. They're naturally attracted. That is their fortune. And by that, they can begin to understand Krishna. It's not simply an academic process. So this, uh, to understand how Krishna is pleased in his mind, that may take millions of lifetimes for the jnani to understand. When he stops trying to understand, then he can begin to understand. When he stops trying to understand and simply tries to appreciate Krishna, then he can begin to understand. Not that devotees don't study philosophy, but that appreciation has to be there. Otherwise it's not possible to understand. Whereas someone may not be a jnani at all, uneducated, No, see those who are uneducated, they have no philosophical bent of mind because they're not, they're, their brain hasn't developed in that way. They don't, they, the thinking process which intellectuals, you see, there's a class of intellectuals, and they have a way of thinking, what about this, and then what about that, and considering this, and considering that. Very complex kind of mentality. But simple people, they don't have such a mentality. They, they just tend to accept something very easily. So if they're fortunate, they can very easily accept Krishna. Who is God? Yesterday I was asking. Was it yesterday or the day before? That lady came. So I asked her, who is God? Krishna. She was fully convinced. Whether how or why or what. If you ask her why, you may not, she can't give you a thesis on Vedanta Sutra. She was convinced. Krishna. So she's already gone beyond so many people studying Vedanta Sutra. So many experts on Indology. And Indian philosophy. So many big, big Mayavadis. When I was in South India, I gave it a comfort about Sringeri. We made a big Mayavadi, big in more ways than one. Physically also, huge. But uh, cannot understand Krishna. He's very learned, very respectable. Can speak so many languages, has studied so many Shastras, can quote so many Shastras. But he's not as spirit. even though people are worshipping him as such a greatly advanced person, he's not advanced as this lady who is, cannot write her own name, but she knows. Who is Bhagavan? Krishna. With full conviction. And therefore wants to do some service to Krishna. Those who know Krishna is God, they like to serve Krishna. Krishna is stating. And they like to hear about Krishna. What's the next verse after that? They take pleasure in hearing about Krishna. And they are fortunate. And those who are on the mental speculative platform, they're unfortunate. They're most unfortunate because they they think they're very intelligent. But they're... The same point we we're discussing yesterday. Is Maharaj Yudhishthira fought for the right cause. So so many people are fighting in so many ways. And doing so many wonderful things. They're great heroes. But it's all misplaced. So in the same way, one may be very intelligent. Very analytical. But if it's not based on Krishna. Surrender to Krishna. It's simply a misuse of intelligence. The same thing yesterday we were discussing about activities, how they should be centered on Krishna. So here we can deduce how the intelligence should be centered on Krishna. Then we can understand Krishna. Krishna was pleased. Oh, does that mean he's an ordinary person? No. His being pleased is not the pleasure we have from that we get from relief from the heat or relief from cold, or when we receive a lot of money, or when someone praises us. Krishna's pleasure and displeasure is beyond the interactions of this material world. Krishna's pleasure, that is fully on the transcendental platform. that he takes pleasure in his devotee's pleasure. Hare Krishna. Is there any questions? Uh, you mentioned about how Krishna submits himself to his own inner potency and also we know that Krishna is indirectly and directly conscious of everything. And at the same time, in his highest manifestation, he chooses not to know about some things for the of So could you shed some light on that? Yeah, now we're trying to understand the psychology of God in his, in his form as Krishna, which is his form, original form means his form. He chooses to forget that He's the Supreme Lord. So how is that? He's directly and indirectly conscious of if, he's, if he forgets that He's the Supreme Lord, then who's going to do the creation maintenance and who's going to oversee all these things? Just like if a man's proprietor of a factory and he has amnesia and he forgets, then who's going to oversee the affairs of the factories? Actually, this is what I've talked about Thakkar commented on this. He said that he is actually conscious simultaneously. But he's not conscious also. Do you understand? Who can understand the mind of God? That rascal, Stephen Hawking, he he is proposing to understand the mind of God. Isn't that the end end of his book? The brief history of time, he has said that what is it? Something like when we understand how the universe is created and then the last words are that, but then man will have reached the pinnacle of knowledge, he will have understood the mind of God. He's so ambitious, rascal. Mm. What is Mahamaya and what is Yogamaya? Mahamaya this potency which covers the living entities, and Yoga Maya also covers living entities in the liberated states, and Krishna Himself also. Mother Yashoda is also an illusion when she thinks that Krishna is my little boy, but that's illusion on the spiritual platform, that is favorable for yoga. Yoga means to be linked with the Supreme Lord in devotion. Therefore, that's called yoga maya. Mahā, Mahā maya, very great illusion, very great illusion. How the living being who's supposed to be with Krishna instead identifies himself with the body of a frog or whatever body he happens to be in. Very great illusion. Horrible mass of a frog's body, and he's thinking, "This is me, and my pleasure is in catching flies to eat them." Meanwhile, I have to be careful; the snake is coming to catch me. I was staying in one hut one time. There was a little pond just outside, so all the po- all the frogs would be sitting outside. making their living and the snake would come very quietly behind just as he's about to catch it all, boom, it all jump in the pond all at once the snake is frustrated he couldn't catch a frog I was thinking that these are all supposed to be Krishna conscious living beings and here they are playing snakes and frogs very unfortunate Hmm. But your lecture, what I understand is that it is not always necessary for the devotees to have knowledge of the past. But at the same time, this question relates to that if a uh, devotee is not born uh, in knowledge, then uh, his faith may be taken. Yeah. Oh, that is. So, yeah. his faith can be taken. Yeah. this is an important question on one hand knowledge of Shastra is not required if one simply has faith on the other hand the faith of one who doesn't have knowledge of Shastra may be shaken so both things are there but the, actually that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying or kare Bhagawan, pandits kulins, dhani bara abhiman those who are very poor or fallen, Krishna is more kind to them. And those who are Pandit, big learned scholar, or high class family, or very rich, they tend to be puffed up. So actually what is the qualification for understanding Krishna? It's not actually knowledge, but it's to be niradhimam, to be freed from the puffed up conception that I am very great. Therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's most important teaching we can actually chant Hare Krishna when we are free from all sense of false, false prestige. Then chanting has effect. Then by the chanting, everything is revealed. So, actually, the knowledge of philosophy is required. Those we tend to become more doubtful, those who are more educated, they tend to have more doubts because the mind is more... Develop. So we think, well, when Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, what is it? yoga or karma, Prabhupada translates it as devotional service, isn't that biased? Isn't that bogus? How is, it? How is it? He's just fooling us. We tend to think like this. Or just like the, the big pundit. He couldn't go back to Godhead, but the cobbler sitting under the tree, when he heard that Narayan is putting the elephant through the eye of the needle, he could immediately accept. The same thing, we read the fifth canto of Bhagavatam, we read anywhere in Prabhupada's books, and he says that the moon is further away than the sun, and you think, well, how is that possible? The scientists are bouncing radio waves off the moon, and and they see how much time it takes to come back. and. Then and from this we can we understand the speed of radio waves. So from this we can understand the moon is just... How far do they say it is? What's the latest count? 200,000 miles? Something like that. So it seems that Prabhupada is just being dogmatic. Actually, there's a very interesting thing I read recently, which was told by a disciple of Prabhupada called Jashmati Nandandas from Australia. Not from Gujarat, another one. So he asked Prabhupada... That um, You see, the scientists, they discovered the planet Pluto, because they, they studied the orbits of Uranus and Jupiter, and they found out that the orbits were irregular, they were not as they would have expected them to be. So it appeared as if there was some other heavenly body which was exerting a gravitational influence on them. So they calculated the orbits, how they expected them to be and how they are and what the difference is and therefore they postulated that at this point there must at this point in space there must be the orbit of another planet. And they looked there and they found Pluto. So he's saying that you see the scientists by their mathematical calculations they studied Pluto. And Harvard simply said, We all we have our own mathematical calculations. We don't follow all this. So then later, a few years later, the devotee, same devotee, London found in the newspaper a report that Pluto will vanish in a few years. It was a sarcastic headline. In other words, according to their original calculations, what they made, according to those calculations, the planet Pluto should be gradually diminishing in size so quickly that within a few years it will cease to exist. So then they had to do their calculations again, and they found actually their original calculations were all wrong, as usual, and that uh, actually the, the, the orbits of Uranus and Jupiter were, they were all right, there was nothing wrong with them anyway, according to their present calculations. So it's just by chance they made discoveries. discovery. So many big scientific discoveries come by chance, that means Krishna's the super-soul is giving them a chance. That's all, because they want to discover something and become a Nobel Prize winner. So Krishna, as Prabhupada described, he's rascal, he's working so hard. All right, give him a chance. That didn't fulfill his desire. He can become famous for discovering Pluto. So like that, the, the minds of uh, complex, more educated people, they tend to be very complex. At least myself, I know that, I, uh, personally, I never doubted anything Prabhupada said, even the, the first came out. In 1975, Prabhupada Prabhupada was saying the moon is further away than the sun and they never went there. And some devotees say, oh, I I just thought, well, Prabhupada says, he must be right. Scientists, they make so, they're such cheaters in so many ways. Prabhupada, he's pure devotee. He knows Krishna. So he must be right. That's all. How it's right, I don't know. That's a job for Siddhartha to work on. But if, if Prabhupada says, I don't think Prabhupada's a fool. Must be right. So a simple person can simply accept it. Krishna is God. That's all. But someone who's very complex in mental, they'll always say, why, why this, why that? And they'll go on saying, why, why, why for millions of lifetimes. Bahunam, Janma Ramante, Jnana Bhang Bhangravani, Vasudeva Samahatma Sadulamah, to saying, why, why, why for so many lifetimes, and they may finally come to realize, why? Because Krishna wants. That's why. But such a Mahatma is very rare because they're stuck up on the platform of thinking, I'm so intelligent and I'm so wonderful. So that knowledge of Shastra, that is required, So that, but even to understand that requires a certain simplicity and mentality. That's why Prabhupada says in the introduction to the Bhagavad-gita, as it is, that at least theoretically you have to accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead to, to read this book. Otherwise you can't begin to understand it at all. There has to be some level of acceptance. There has to be some level of faith. If someone is someone who is totally agnostic and never puts their faith in anything, then they can never come to they can never come to any conclusion about anything. Actually, if you're a complete agnostic about everything, and you don't put your faith in anything, then you can neither sit nor stand. Because if you're sitting, you'll think well, any time the floor may collapse underneath me. And if you're standing, you want to walk and you put your foot. How do you know that the, when you put your foot down, the earth will support you and may just collapse? If you're to be a real agnostic then you, can't put your, you have to put your faith in something. So therefore, all the Shastric conclusions are there. It's also true, though, that someone who's not very educated, they may be easily misled. And that's why there's so many bogus cheetahs, gurus are coming. But even educated people, you see, they go to them. Even people may be very materially educated, but spiritually they're foolish. You'll find so many materially educated people are following absolutely bogus rascals. Who Anyone with any slight spiritual intelligence can understand that some Baba with fuzzy hair is just a complete charlatan. But there are many educated people who go, why? prasaktanam thaya Because they want material opulence, therefore they go to these cheetahs who promise that. So real intelligence comes from the spiritual platform not from the material platform. So those whose intelligence is misled by mundane education, Prabhupada said the modern schools, they're just like slaughterhouses, they spoil our intelligence. So um, they can be rectified by reading Prabhupada's books. Now apart from that, there's also the point of studying Shastra, by, by understanding Krishna's glories more, we Krishna says that anyone who studies his Bhagavad Gita he worships me by his intelligence. So that's another that's another kind of worship. To appreciate the, the opulences and glories of Krishna by study of Shastra. So that's also a relishable point. The devotees they take pleasure in discussing the opulences of Krishna and they learn all this philosophy to defeat other philosophies, bogus ideas, and in this way they establish the joys of Krishna Mok. Just like if, uh, if Shankaracharya had not preached Kivalad Bhaitavad, that everything is all one, then the opportunity to glorify the variegated potencies of the Supreme Lord, it would, there wouldn't be such a great opportunity to establish that very strongly. So the opposition, they also give some chance to, actually they're indirectly glorifying Krishna. They're giving the opportunity for that. Just like a man may be a a great fighter, but unless there's someone to fight with him, he can't be seen what is his fighting ability. So similarly this understanding of Krishna consciousness is most wonderful, but unless, unless there's some bogus idea to defeat, he can't be seen in its full glory. So there are different understandings of this. Hare Krishna, Jai,